Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you. I'm glad that the air conditioner works. I'm glad that it's not a blistering hot day thus far. And I'm glad we're together. The songs that we were singing, the, the theme about being in the battle is something that we need to be mindful of in our walk with Jesus, that we are to be engaged in the battle for Christ. And at the end of the songs, we looked at that last song, you know, he was trampled for us. He laid down his all for us. And we think about the humility of Christ, the love of Christ, the, the surrender of Christ, commitment of Christ to provide a way of salvation for us and to have a relationship with him. And that is our hope. That is our promise. And that's what we're to share with people in the world because the world, like always, is a mess. And so last week we were looking at uh, the message, obviously speaking about America and how America has exchanged our one true God for all the false gods of other nations. Now, having said that, I want you to know that this message, I kept thinking this is a sombering message. In other words, I don't want you to, it's kind of a heavy message, and I don't want you to walk away in a sense of despair because we always have hope, and there's a challenge in the message as we listen to what God's laid on my heart to share with you, okay? You know, I always look at this as a pastor. You know, we present, want to present the gospel, make sure people hear the gospel, understand it. Hopefully, if someone is here that doesn't know the Lord, comes to know the Lord as their Savior. But also, as a pastor, different from an evangelist, the pastor is there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is being God's people out in the world, being his soldiers, his representatives, his ambassadors, which requires us to be tough and stand up in the world we live in, right? And so we need to be encouraged and, and fortified, and I hope that this message will help, help us to see the greater importance that we have as soldiers for Christ, because we are in a battle for the Lord and praise God, what? The battle's already won, right? He just wants to make sure that we're carrying out our battle orders into the world as we go. So last week, the message was about America exchanging the one true God and, and its nation uh, for all the false gods of other nations. And we looked at the parallel between the example of the person who had got rid of the evil spirit in their life but they didn't secure their life right with God. And so what happened, the evil spirit went out and got other demons and brought seven more with them and entered the man, and the man was worse off than he was in the beginning. So we can, the principle there is that we can empty ourselves out of things that are wrong, but we better secure ourselves to be right with God or else more is gonna come our way. And the parallel to that is that that's what our country's done. Our country has pushed out that which is good but have not secured themselves in their faith in God and received a whole bunch more into the country. Does that make sense? That's last, last week's message is what we looked at. So like Israel, as a nation, we made the choice to remove God's word from our institutions and open up the door for all the other gods to walk in. We talked about some examples of that, how the word of God is taken out. I mean, if they, I'm surprised they're not plastering over in God we trust on, on our Capitol buildings and city hall buildings and stuff that have it etched into the concrete or the stone, but they haven't done that. I pray they never will. And so we as a nation have made the cho choice to remove God's word from our institutions and open up the door for all other gods to walk in. I mean, let's think of the realisticness of that. We see more of a more of a, if you will, 
a pagan or a society that's against God rather than a society that's for God in our country. I think we all can acknowledge that and recognize that and validate that that's the reality that America once was truly a nation under God, now is not a nation under God as a whole, as a nation, as the founding forefathers expected this country to be. So these other gods that we're looking at, that Israel looked at, and they can be applied to us as well, okay? These other gods are Satan, that serpent of old tools for deceiving us, disabling us, and destroying us. In other words, when we look back in history and we think of paganism, we think of idolatry, we think about these statues, we think about people worshiping things other than God, man-made things, man-made gods, whatever. We, we, don't, we think of the thing, but we don't think about the reality that behind that thing is the strategy of Satan to deceive people. There are demonic, demonic things with those things. And so when you associate with those things that are against God, you're associating with demonic influences. And so scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right, but against principalities and powers of darkness. We're called to be soldiers of Christ in a world of darkness in America as well. And so as Satan tries to, de tried to, to deceive and did deceive Israel to worship other gods and other idols, the same is happening today. But we don't see idols on the corner of each street necessarily, do we? Well, I, I, we have seen idols. I have gone in places where the idol of the, the elephant and some Hindu religions, right? Uh, the idol, go into, you see it on the counter in a hotel room or whatever. You see other symbolisms, Chinese influ influences as well for paganism and beliefs that way and culture. And I'm not picking on Hindus or, or, or Chinese people or any nationality or any people group. My point is, I'm trying to say is that in today, there are still things that mark the identity of idolatry things that pull people away from the truth of God and live in rebellion against God and not live for God as yielding to the God that we know in heaven, you know, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The signs of the serpent all around us in America. In America, we can physically see, and I'm, I'm going to emphasize, the symbolism of our idol worship. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and that's what I mean that it's a, the message is kind of a sombering message. It's not a message to bring discouragement, but if anything, the message is to try to help remind us that we need to fortify ourselves that much more as God's people to be an army of God. An army of God is simply God's people loving God first and standing up on the truth of his word and not being afraid to lovingly make that known. Because we have to open our mouth and make it known to make the distinction that cut that whereas the light will cut through darkness if we're not speaking it then we're not allowing the light of God to work through us to cut through the darkness of lies that Satan puts up in the world around us and in our country last week I touched a little bit on the worship of Baal through the story of Elijah or Mark Carmel I love that story you guys like that story Mark uh, Mount Mount Carmel the power of God, the, the wonder of God and his authority and power just coming down and lapping up the altar, the water, the stones, and even the sand to show that I am God. I love that when God steps in that way in that, in that picture there. And so we talked about the story of Elijah on Mark Carmel. And Baal was the god of prosperity and fertility. 
I want to remind you, you may already know, but Satan's bag of tricks never multiply. In other words, he only has one bag of tricks. He has a set amount of tricks that he can use to trick people to follow him and not follow God, to deceive people and direct people away from God. The tricks are all there. They're just presented in different forms. It's like getting a gift. I can wrap it a hundred different ways, but it's still the same gift inside. And so he has all these tactics that he uses, but he's limited on his tactics. It's just that he presents them in different ways. So when we think about idolatry in Israel's time, we think again about the statues, those type of things. And then we don't really think about it here in America today. Although around different parts of the world, as we've seen in the past, there have been idols set up in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. And I think we can agree with that as well. So Baal was the god of prosperity and fertility. He was one of the gods Israel had sacrificed their children to. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. Not a real uplifting subject. But again, I said the message, this message is a heavier, more sober message, if you will, sombering message. It's not meant to be a message that brings despair because we always have the hope of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, our victories in Christ. We're conquerors in and through Christ. We have that to rejoice in. So talking a little bit more about Baal, do you remember what happened while Moses was on uh, the mountain with God? Okay, he went up to get the tablets of stone, the, all that, right? Okay, let's read that in Exodus 32, 7 through 8. And the Lord said to Moses, go, go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, that's, only a, that's a short period of time between they came out of Egypt and now they're making a golden calf. They're upset because Moses is up on the, on the mount too long and they figure they, he's not going to come back down. He was up there for 40 days and, and they're, they're getting anxious and say, Well, we're just going to make our own God. And that's what Satan wants. He wants to, to get God out of the picture and, and, and remove the hope that, and the promise that we have in God and the security that we have in God to rely on something else. The Israelites made a molten image of a calf. And this was a God they had come to know within Egypt. Okay? It was the Egyptian bull god called Apis, A-P-I-S. Okay? And so it was an Egyptian bull or God, named, uh, called Ipis, Apis, excuse me, I can't speak. But this was also the symbol of the god, guess, Baal. This is the symbol of Baal as well, all right? Now remember what I said, Satan only has one bag of tricks, <laughs> but he can repackage it any way he wants to, right? And so the symbol of the god Baal in the land of Canaan where they were going, so it was the same thing. This public replacement of their Hebrew God happened again later in Israel's history. So let's read that in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28 through 33. Therefore the king, and that's Jeroboam, asked advice, made two, ca made two calves of gold, and said to the people, is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? 
Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered up sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made, and at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month in the month which he had, he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burnt incense. Now he's saying, okay, this is a lot of history. What does it got to do with America? The month of July, our celebration of independence. What's it got to do with America? We're going to get there, okay? These replacement gods in this passage are not just bronze figures being bowed down to and worshipped. But what did I say before? They are, they are a symbolism of the demons that are really behind them. It's like, you know, I, I tell people that sometimes will come and they come in for counseling and, I, and I'll find out they're involved in some things that they shouldn't ought to be in. If they're involved in a Ouija board or tarot cards or, or things, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, these types of things, these are things that really are affected by demonic influence. Whether we believe it or not, that's part of Satan's trick, to draw away into another spiritual focus. And so, um, the same way here. These replacement gods in this passage, these golden calves, or bronze calves, rather, um, are not just the figures that were made, right? They weren't just bowing down to some man-made figure. They were literally bowing down, unbeknown to them, to demonic influences with those idols they were worshiping. So I want us to look at in, in, in what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 18-21, because he speaks to this very point. He says, Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything. What Paul's saying is that the idol in of itself is nothing. You're not offering to a god. You're not, you're, it's, it's nothing. Okay? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. That's odd, just as much as it is odd for me to mention these things to you right now in the last three minutes, there, it's an awkward subject, right? It's something we don't like to think about. And we certainly don't expect it when you come to church, but this is part of what God's word says. We need to be wise and in the battle for the Lord as soldiers for Christ and the, and the world that we live in in America today, we need to be wise to the deceptions of Satan. And so he reminds them, he's telling them, look, you guys that are doing this are, are yielding yourself to demonic influence by participating in idol worship. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. What's the cup of the Lord? The Lord's Supper. He's talking to Christians. He's saying, as Christians, you can't go out there and worship idols and be connected with demonic activity and come in here and have the Lord's Supper too. That's not an opinion. This is God's word. 
You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Those are awkward words and things we don't like to think about. But you know what? When we're equipped to understand the reality of what we're up against, it's not meant to be intimidating. It's meant to be fortifying. The more we understand and the more we yield ourselves to God and we stand in him, we can stand with confidence on what God wants us to be against those things that are evil and that draw people away from God. Demonic spirits take advantage of idol worship. Without knowing it, idol worshipers are glorifying demons. And that's what Paul is telling them. Hopefully, when, they were, when, they, when Paul's preaching this or teaching this, and the Christians in Corinth were listening, that hopefully many of them were like almost aghast. Like they were, what? I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. But they should know one point. We can't worship other gods, idols, and, and worship God, the one true God, and be in fellowship with them. We have, to, we have to make that distinction to stand up for God. The Christians in Corinth thought they were safe in God. Hey, I'm saved. I can live any way I want to. Isn't that what the world says? We can do whatever we want because you know what? The bottom line is when I die, I'm going to heaven because I ask Jesus in my heart so I can live any way I want to. Where does that come from? Not from God. And what is that not in itself a self-idol worship? I'm going to be my own idol. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not going to yield to God. And so that's something that's kind of inconspicuous to us, but in reality, unbeknown maybe to the individual, they're worshiping themselves, saying, I'm going to do whatever I want, making themselves an idol, making themselves like a god. Say, God, you don't matter. I do. So then they're in a bad place, just like those in Corinth were. And so the Christians in Corinth thought they were safe in God, so therefore they could actually attend the idol worship meals. But Paul clearly makes the point that they, that they disgraced the Lord's supper table when they fellowship with idols. And so, again, we're looking at idol worship and graven images and the past and history, and we're saying, how does that relate to us? We'll get there. We'll get there. But here Paul's saying, you need to make sure that your focus is proper in order to be able to truly worship God. In other words, as Christians in America, we must be aware of the fact that we are being lured to participate in idol worship when we passively, passively accept the world's teachings that come from demons. What's the world teaching us today? Is it from God? We'd be silly to say yes. It's not from God. It's from demonic activity. And yet many people don't even think about that realm and that reality that there's satanic, demonic activity behind things that the world is presenting and that, the, and that many are embracing. And sadly, Christians are embracing. And we need to be aware, we need to be careful that we are not doing that. We cannot, for the sake of acceptance, stand by and say, to each his own. Wasn't that kind of, isn't that an easy way off the hook? We, we tell ourselves the easy way off the hook is to say it's not my business, it's yours. But it is our business. 
It's not meant that we throw our business in other people's faces. It means we as believers, as soldiers of Christ, as ambassadors, representatives of Jesus Christ, the light and the salt of the earth, are called to make it our business to stand up and say, this is what God says, this is what the world says, this is wrong and this is right. And even if the world says there are no absolutes of truth, God is truth. And we can rely on that truth, and we can stand confidently on that truth, and God will bless us for doing so. Absolutely. For example, some churches have taken the wonderful character trait of God's love, grace. God's love and grace is wonderful. But we can push God's love and grace too far because we can, we can compromise Scripture on the sake of love and grace. And that's not what God wants. Okay? And so uh, uh, we need under this, this uh, I lost my place here for a second, I'm sorry. Um, churches have taken the wonderful character trait of God's love for all people and have used it to accept sin into their church body. I want to give you a, a, a video uh, that we saw on TV that'll give you an understanding of this a little bit more. Anybody to rise in body or spirit and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love, so beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. Lord, help us. This lady just said, a God with multiple pronouns. Do we see anything wrong with that? I think so, and that was last week. Now, I'm not saying it for the purpose of, of tearing down. I'm saying it as a purpose of saying stand up. Well, yeah, but I'm saying the, the point is, is that you and I are seeing compromise just from that one example in a church. And we see it in other churches, many other churches of using the same creed. And what it boils down to, out of love, we're going to accept all sin or whatever, and we're going to discredit who God is. And so that, that's, that's something that, that tells us that as believers in Christ, as ambassadors of Christ, as soldiers in Christ, as the people of God, again, the salt and the light, that we must not say to each his own. But we must be willing to say, God, help me to stand when you call me to stand to speak when you call me to speak, to act in love and goodness and kindness and to share truth as God leads us to. 
And the world's not going to like it. People don't like truth if it goes against what they want to do. And so like Israel, we have physical manifestations of demonic idols popping up all over America. Now, idols, symbolic idols around America always can have some sort of um, uh, uh, faith or some sort of uh, idol worship behind it. Okay? And what I mean by that is there's a source that puts up that type of imagery, symbolism, in our culture. And so demonic idols are popping up all over America. They are, all, they are the physical signs of our turning from God to all demonic false gods. Remember, anything that takes away from God, where our heart to focus on that as a priority over God, is an idol, right? They are the physical signs of our turning from God to all the demonic false gods. I want to mention a few examples to you today and link them to, to the false demonic teachings and idols they go with. Now, you may think we don't have a molten bull calf in America, but we do. But we do. Okay? What did I say Baal, this bull calf, represented? Remember? Prosperity and, and fertility. Do you know what the symbol of an upward stock market prosperity on Wall Street is? The bull. <laughs> the bull. In 1989, the Wall Street bull, a 7,100-pound bronze molten sculpture, appeared without permission or city permit in New York, the original capital of America. You know, New York was the original capital. Amazingly, the city has never removed it. It was meant to be a symbol of aggressive financial optimism and prosperity. Okay? Interestingly, the bull was placed, get this, where George Washington was sworn in as our nation's first president. On that day, Washington delivered a speech that contained a prophetic warning. He said, in effect, if America ever turned away from God, its blessings would be removed. In defiance, the serpent of old has had this bull idol placed in this location where Washington's statue overlooks it. <laughs> Interesting. After the large bronze sculpture appeared, the other nations of the world followed it. They all began erecting bull sculptures and hoped that they too would have prosperity. Wow. So instead of America leading the world to Christ, we led them to Baal. And I say we, it's not all-inclusive Christians. We're talking about the example of America because America is a leading country in the world, if not the leading country, amen? But how we lead and affect the other world is, is, to, be, um, is to be very, uh, I don't know how to word it, we need to be really careful how we lead the other world. If the world sees us turning away from God, then the world also is inclined to do that too. Did you ever notice the Starbucks logo? Remember symbolism? They have a chosen, they have chosen a fertility goddess that is serpent-like and deadly. The Starbucks logo is seen on almost every street corner, it seems, across America and now around the world. Remember, symbolism putting in front of us can have an effect on people. I'm not saying that we can't go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. We're not paying homage to demonic activity or, or to, you know, making a commitment that way. 
But what I'm saying is that Satan will take things and put it in front of us subliminally or, or visually somehow that will, will reflect or deflect away from God. Let me give you another example. How many times have you driven from here to Hanford and on the left-hand side there is a, a, a dairy and on top of the dairy is a big cross. The dairy has on the left-hand side is a white building. Left-hand side there's a cross right on top of it. It's not an obvious cross. It's just an old weathered wooden cross. But you know, every time I go by that, it blesses me. Because someone has the courage to stand up and put the cross up and reflection. How about, have we gone on 198 and, and you come across, there's, a, there's some sort of neighborhood on the right-hand side of 198. They all, it's a fenced-in property. They always have a sign up there, and one of them is Jesus saves. Does it bless you to see a cross representing Christ or sign Jesus saves or um, a church sign? These signs tell us that there are Christians that are standing up for God, right? And it blesses us. But when I see things that distract and detract from God, it's not a blessing as if seeing the cross or a statement of, of salvation or Jesus saves or anything like that. You get what I'm saying? So if we saw more and more and more and more crosses and Jesus saves and, you know, uh, whatever that reflects Jesus and God and directs hearts and minds to God, the more we saw that, the more influence that would be just in of itself and signage and the symbolism would have on people. So Satan knows that, so he's taking symbolism, and whether consciously or not, he's influencing paganism like the stock market in New York with the bull. And, and now we're looking at this, this goddess figure. You have to ask yourself, why did they pick that? I don't know why, okay? I, I really don't. But, but this Starbucks logo is a, is, is a fertility goddess that is serpent-like and deadly. You can see that in, this, in the way it looks. And that, star, and that Starbucks logo is seen on almost every street corner across America and now around the world. The goddess has been known as Astarte in the eastern Mediterranean area. Drinking Starbucks in the beginning became what? A symbol of status. We're part of the crowd. This is really cool. This is popular. But in 2015, an artist, okay, that's Starbucks. So, so we've, got, we've got one, the bull, which is representing Baal, the, the bronze cow, right? Then we've got Astarte, which is that Mediterranean, eastern, uh, fishy woman, right, up there, right? Okay, and now we're going to come to another thing that's in there in America. We're talking about paganism in America. Do you understand what the importance is that I'm sharing with you? We can't put our heads in the sand and say there's no paganism in America because we don't see idols on every street. We can't say that Satan is, is not trying to deflect people's hearts and minds away from God because we know that's what he wants. And so what we should be aware as God's army, as God's people, of what Satan is doing in the world around us so that we can be better equipped to stand that much firmer with knowledge. In 2015, an artist, Andrew Jones, designed a portrait of the god goddess Kali. That was, the project, that was then projected on the Empire State Building for all the world to see. And I think we 
have shown that before. Okay. Um, years ago, 1959, our country projected a cross on that building. And now in 2015, they projected this Kali god from India on there. It, it's starting to show a little bit of difference of America. It was big news in India. Why was that a big news in India? Because it was one of their gods. If they, if, you know, they're worshiping Kali, which is a pagan god, and they were thrilled to death that America, a leading country, had projected the picture on, on the Empire State Building. Wow. And the art, artists wanted to make a point that Mother Nature needed a fierce in, image to fight the dangers of pollution. Meaning, the goddess of Kali is also known the goddess of death. That's sad. And the artist was basically signaling his personal belief that a cut to the population through, through mass death would help lower our population levels and save humanity. Have you ever heard that before? Don't have more kids than one because of our population, right? Or, or we've got too many people on the planet, we're not going to be able to sustain them. All this type of thing. It's a focus. It's a focus. Okay? The belief is being held by many of our global elite. We have seen since the 60s a rise in worship of Mother Nature or Mother Earth. Do you remember the parquet margarine commercials? Don't mess with Mother Nature. Do you remember that? It's another, you know, I think it's humorous, but again, it's another projection of symbolism that detracts from God. Right? Absolutely. So the choice to preserve bugs or small foreign fish, even right here in California, has caused crops, which the world population needs for life. This symbol of death, the goddess of Cali, on a New York skyscraper became very much a prophetic message to New York. New York was the epicenter of the COVID outbreak and had the largest number of deaths. New York is also the leader in the number of abortions done and in the movement to extend abortions to the time of birth. And we've allowed other, another goddess symbol to be raised all over America. The goddess of Ishtar was the goddess of sex. She embodied passion, love, lust, sexual desire, and sexual practices in every form. There is an ancient Elamite inscription that reads Manza Ishtar. The name translates to Rainbow Ishtar. Her eyes were multicolored and iridescent like a rainbow. In her story, she is attacked and she sets out on her mission of vengeance and stretches herself like a rainbow across the sky. Today, we see the symbol of the ancient goddess flying in our skies and on our city and nation's buildings and in our classrooms and presidential addresses. And, and I'm not in here to be a political, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not playing politics here. I'm just stating the fact. What has our country been done? All right? So we have classrooms as a symbol for the LGBTQ plus movement, a movement that has led to the crossing of the boundaries of sexuality and altered the parameters of gender now being adopted. And you see that goddess is star being repackaged a different way. So we saw Baal. We saw uh, Astarte. Astarte. And now we see Ishtar. Oh. Pet, huh? 
Huh? And Kali. Four. Packaged different ways. Different ways. Okay? So, what does a rainbow idol stand for? Stand in the, what does the rainbow idol stand in defiance of? God's rainbow of hope and promise given with a new covenant to Noah. Satan has taken the beautiful rainbow of peace and perverted it for wickedness. And when we see it on our nation's capital on the July 4th with the, the multicolored rivers in Pride Day, when we see it in the announcements that stand behind our, our president being made to our country, when we see it everywhere, it's paganism packaged a different way. It's not, it's, it's thought of, well, this is good, this is opportunity, this is individual right, but behind it is demonic activity because it's directly against God. And so we can see that compared with carved images of idolatry and demonic activity behind it. Anything wicked, it's not from God, it's demonic. We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of that. So, so God's rainbow, a hope and promise given with a new covenant to Noah. And I could go on with the list of false gods. This has been a different type of message. I've gone on a long time with, with, with not mentioning scripture here. But I'm doing it so that we can understand this is the world we live in. And paganism is active. And to identify it means that, okay, now we need to stand because we're not ignorant to that but always stand in love and respect of people all right so um, being able to go on with more examples of that of listing uh, false gods and its and, and its influence on America all these things have done what ties into last week's message it has it has pushed God out and brought in evil. We've pushed God out and we've brought in evil, haven't we? And, and we need to understand that we can look at that visually and say, well, that's what's happening. That's what's happening in our world. We don't want to replace our one true God. We want to bring our country back to the one true God. The demons behind all these idols, these false gods, as I mentioned last week, are demanding the sacrifice of our children to them. Do you remember, did you see the news a while back? Um, how to go, it's not an exact quote. We're going for the children, we're going for the children, we're going for the children in their march. Anybody see that? We want your children, it was something of that nature. And, and these type of things are, are um, affronting us and we need to you know obviously as believers say no in Psalm 106 36 to 37 they served their idols which became a snare to them they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons hmm. did any of you see the movie sound of freedom I encourage you to go see it oh to be here in Klinga Friday I encourage you to go see it. It's a very mature movie. It's not easy to watch. The storyline is, is captivating. It's a good movie, even though it's difficult. Okay? And I encourage you to, to look at that because 
uh, we need to look at the reality of what's around us. So I saw the movie. I did. My wife and I saw the movie, Sound of Freedom, this last week. And you were either reminded or you learned about the sacrifice of children going on with sexual predators. We know, how many of us, and this is rhetorical, don't answer it, have thought, there's, sir, there's sex trafficking, but uh, not in America. I used to think that. To think that that was going on in America? No way. But then it wasn't, this was years ago, but then I realized it was something that was in America. How many of us like thinking about it? None of us. How many of us would rather push it aside and not think about it? All of us. But how many of us know that, that we need to stand up for children because children are being sacrificed? Their lives are being taken away from them. Their childhood, childhood is being taken away from them. And last week we talked about their sacrifice being children to, abor I mean, uh, to abortions and gender mutilation and gender identity surgery. These are all sacrificing of our children to, to uh, the ideals of a perverted sexual culture. It's not from God, it's evil. Our passivity as Christians has led us to this. Can we, can, all the years we've been in church, I know that we've heard it. It's time for the church to wake up, time for the church to stand up. How many heard that over and over, right? But we really need to just be willing as individuals to say, Lord, I'm yours. I know your word. I know your truth. I know that you're holy, good, just, righteous, and you're the hope and the life that you want to give for people. And be willing to be that vessel to share that hope and to, and to reveal truth and to help people. Because I tell you what, most people that embrace these things may say they're happier than anything, but their hearts are empty. And they need to know God. They need to know God. We can no longer say each to his own. And at this moment, we may not know what to do, but God knows what we're to do. I've already alluded to it, that we're to speak up as God leads us to. We may think, well, I don't know how I'm going to speak up or what to say to people. Because it's awkward. It's really awkward. But God knows what we can say. Isn't it true? We have to first pray and ask him to open our eyes and let us see where he wants us to join him in the battle for people's hearts. Isn't that, isn't that a key thing? In the battle for people's hearts. We want people to have fullness of life. We want people to have hope. We want people to have the fullness of Jesus in their life. We want them to have eternal security and a relationship with God. We want them to have a real purpose in life. That's the opportunity that we can offer them. In this movie, what happened was, uh, uh, to Tim Ballard, he basically said, I see this reality. I want you to use me, God, to help these children. And his eyes were open, and he needed to do more for the children. In the movie, he quit his job with national security, and he went into the, the most treacherous part of, of the jungle to save a child and others. Look what God tells us in Luke 12, and then we're in this message. 
It says, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Of course, that's dealing with our salvation. Okay? We deny him, then he'll deny us. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. If we're sensitive to God, and the only way we're sensitive to God is by walking with God, being in fellowship with God, and being available for God to use, it, God may orchestrate a circumstance that will come right in front of us where he'll say, speak this, say this. It might be a simple statement. It might be just something that, that reflects God and directs hearts to them. But we're to be available as the Holy Spirit lays it on our heart to share whatever he has us to share at whatever moment so we can be those ambassadors for Christ. Amen? Isn't that right? I mean, isn't that good? We can rely on God to tell us how to talk, how to respond. We don't have to be intimidated and afraid of, of no matter who it is because God is our God. He's given us power and authority He's called us to be, and if we rely on him and let him speak through us, let uh, rely on him and what he's telling us to say, and God will be glorified by it. As Christians, we must publicly acknowledge God before others, and he will speak through us. And let's take America back from these false gods and remove these signs of the serpent from our land. It's just a matter of standing up, sharing truth, helping people see that where they're placing their hope, where they're placing their security is empty. Their hope, their security, and their purpose in life is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Is it not? And we're the vessels to help communicate that. So like I said, that's a heavy message, right? Not typical. But last week we talked about America's pushed God out. Then what can we expect? A bunch more of wickedness to come in. And today we've looked at America as involved in idolatry and representing these ancient pagan gods just as much today because Satan's bag of tricks is still the same. But now you and I are to be aware of and say, I'm willing to engage in the battle for Jesus. I'm willing to be the person you want me to be on whatever front you put me on to stand for Jesus, to stand for truth, to stand for life in Jesus. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. Father, in all candidness, we come to church to be lifted up and not to be weighted down. And the point of this message today was not to weight us down. The point of the message today was to enlighten our understanding of what Satan is doing in our country, let alone the world. And in knowing this, that the hopes is that it will only be a motivation that will motivate our hearts in a greater way to be the people you've called us to be more definitively. That we have hearts that are open to speak on your behalf when you lead us to speak. That you will be there for us 
to be bold and not to be afraid, to know that you've given us the authority and the power and the might to represent you. And I pray, Father, please, that we will all, as the scriptures might say, gird up our loins as putting on our armor, that we would uh, be more fine-tuned, more fine-focused, and more spiritually in tune with you. And I pray, Father, that more and more Christians around our nation will stand. I thank you, Father, for some of the testaments of, uh, testimonies of people on TV. Uh, I don't know what sports guy it was this last week that uh, he, he just said, because of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Uh, I've heard more and more people on TV uh, acknowledge this, acknowledge that Jesus is my Savior. He's my God that we stand up on truth. He is the truth. He is the way. And not, not in, in religious channels, but, but in non-religious channels. More and more of our brothers and sisters in Christ are standing up for you. And Father, as I've mentioned before, colleges across our nation, 60-plus uh, colleges have had revival for you, our next generation in America. People are standing up, and that's an answered prayer, Father been praying that you would move and stir the hearts of your people to stand more confidently, boldly, and joyously in you, and stand knowing confidently that they are conquerors and overcomers of the things they're confronted with. Praise you for that, Father. I love you for that, because you have, have enabled us and you've done this. So, Father, help us to honor you, and I know that you will honor us. And may you be glorified in and through our lives as we live for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.